Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Well, hello, hello, hello. Like you said, I'm Lana Reed, and welcome back to another week's edition of Don't Box Me In. My guest today is uh, Miss Wendy Newman. She is the author of 121 First Dates, How to Succeed at Online Dating, Fall in Love, and Live Happily Ever After. Wendy has made every imaginable dating mistake, so the single people out there don't have to. Her book is part guidebook. Part, part personal tell-all, and 121 First Dates chronicles Wendy's funny, real-life misadventures and the practical wisdom she gained based on over a decade of research and 121 First Dates. Her mission is to encourage those who want to find a partner to keep going. Wendy is a professional dating, relationship, and sex educator. She has led hundreds of workshops to thousands of people internationally. I'm so excited that Wendy has made time to spend with me today and extend a big welcome her way. Wendy, welcome to Don't Box Me In. Hi, Lana. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you. Thank you for hanging out with me. So, Wendy, 121 dates. I I can only imagine. That was over a period of 10 years? Yeah, it sounds like torture, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes, indeed. You know, like after the 10th, I'd have been like, oh, well, you know, it's just me and the cats and some bonbons. Forget the whole deal. Yeah, right. I mean, moo-moos and some, I don't know, Ben and Jerry's or Haagen-Dazs looks pretty good after that. You're just law and order rerun. You're good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But you just kept on saying somewhere out there, there's got to be somebody, right? It's true. It's true. Okay. And interestingly so, enough, the bulk of those dates happened in the very last three years of those ten, because for the first seven, I did what a lot of people do. For the first seven years, I that was number one through, let's just say six or seven, um, where, you know, you'd see that cute person standing in front of you, here's this cute man, and I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew we weren't going to be a good fit for the long haul, but... He was there, and I was there, and he was interested, and I couldn't help myself. Love would conquer all, and even though I knew. <laughs> I knew from the very get-go uh, with two different men that there was really no shot at real partnership. But I hung out for a good five years between the two of them. So, yeah. You know, I think, I think, we that, do. I think that's one of the things that women do that we that I think that we need to learn not to do that's most beneficial to us is, you know, we we fall in love with potential, like possibility. Like if I just hang around and massage the situation just enough, then it will be ideal. But that person is who that person is uh, when we meet them. And we should we should take that for face value when we first meet them and move on. Because, like you said, that was one to six years there that you kind of could have been on your way to finding Mr. Right. Yeah, and I was never kidding myself during any of that period. I never thought, well, this could work. I always knew it, it would not work. Oh, but, okay. But dating was so hard that it's the <laughs> alternative <laughs> to being single and going out there and finding someone that was a good fit just seemed like more trouble than it was worth. <laughs> now, you were doing all of this, um, if I may ask, uh, like what age bracket were you in? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. I started the process of counting date number one of 121 right after a long-term marriage. So okay. I had been married for 12 years, 
And when we stepped apart from each other, uh, I started dating once I was ready. And that was really the beginning of the journey of 1 to 121. And I was 35. Okay. Okay. So it was 35 to 45. Okay. It's kind of odd, you know, it's kind of an odd age bracket to be in, you know, myself kind of similar there um, because you're kind of stuck in this, this place and time where most people are situated in, in relationships and, you know, settled down. So to find that stray guy who's single and, you know, not so damaged emotionally or whatever from his pre- previous situations, you know, kind of makes the dating pool kind of smaller and harder to sift through. Yeah, I think you're right. And they're actually 35 is a pretty tricky age, but, yeah. it's, but it's better than 40. <laughs> and then, and then, and then it gets better again at around forty-five, and I'll tell you why. Because, <laughs> because at thirty-five, if I just would have, instead of messing around and screwing around with my time there, if I would have really <laughs> concentrated and found him, I had the pool of since I date my age or older, I, from thirty-five to forty, I would have had men who, the very few men who were really going to wait to be married instead okay. of marry early, so those guys would have been available. And there would have been the guys ending their first marriage because that happens right around that time too. Okay, okay. So that, that there's a pool there, and then it, it got a little trickier around 40. But then <laughs> around 45, it starts to lighten up again because then you've got your men who are who had raised the children with the wife, and for the past five years they've been looking at their watch and biding their time for the kids to be out of the house so they can get divorced now. <laughs> and ready so to experience cyclical. that second season in life. Yeah, it's cyclical. <laughs> and then there's the nursing home phase, right? <laughs> We're not quite ready for that, you know. And I have a friend, you know, he always says, you know, I'm 52, you know, I want to find somebody to change my depend diapers for me. And I'm like, you know, that's not really like a selling tactic for relationship. But I guess it is something, you know, to consider. Like we're getting older. We want somebody to be there, you know, to, t- to help assist with us as we, you know, have to take care of ourselves when we get older. But, you know, you know, hopefully we got a lot of fun years left in our, our 40s and stuff to find somebody and settle down like like you did. Um, I'm, I'm curious, though. Um, I'm listening to you talking. You said one to the six years, one is you were kind of just in these relationships. But when you decided to kind of go gung-ho with it these last three years, you chose the option of online dating. Um, I'm curious, what was your first, very first online dating profile like? Were you a pro at it off the top or did you mess the whole thing up? <laughs> well, I wrote it like every woman writes it. And if any woman has ever been online, I highly recommend that she go read her competition. Go put her own age in and say she's a man looking for a woman. And you'll see that they all, including mine, they all look the same. Mm. We all are nurturing. We all lead with we love our family and our friends are the most important we love to cook or we love dining out. We love to go from jeans to a black dress. Mm-hmm. We all love to travel. I mean, <laughs> so all the same. It, yeah, they're all the same. And then we have these qualities that we fling out without, without any real descriptors. So if we're nurturing, well, what does nurturing look like to you? Does nurturing mean you're going to rub my shoulders? Does nurturing mean you're going to cook for me? Does nurturing mean you're going to do my taxes? Mm-hmm. Is, are you going to coach me? 
what does nurturing mean to you? Because we we do we throw out these. I'm loving. I'm I'm a great partner. I can communicate all these words, but they don't tell us anything about what makes us different from other people. Okay. So over time, what have you learned? Kind of makes a winning profile. Best thing anybody could do is paint a picture of what it would be like to be with you for a date or what flavor of personality are what like I said what is your flavor of nurturing what would that look like and or a personality trait do you do you hop the occasional fence when it's in your way <laughs> so what, who are you are you spunky and playful or are you shy and sweet are you outgoing and bold but but really draw it out um, you know, you can even talk about being on the beach and have that be exciting if you described why you love it and what you get out of being there. So just bringing your uniqueness out in some small way and, and try not to be, after all I said all that, try not to be too wordy about it because, you know, men, men like you to get to the point. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and another thing we do, which was a big mistake that I made, and, and I see it everywhere, and I swear it's a compulsion, we're compelled to do it is they, they give you an area, a summary area, that says what you're looking for. And okay. we put the whole partner, husband, wife, couple, partnership, we put all of that in there, like the kitchen sink. He's got to be this, he's got to be that, he's got to be charismatic and chivalrous, and he's got to have his finances together, like as if we he's got to be honest and open and communicative. Like if we put all that in there... We're vetting, and the mm-hmm. ones who aren't that are going to skip on by. It yes. doesn't work like that. Yes. And, you know, I, you know, listening to you talk, especially going back a little bit about when you're describing yourself, it would seem like it requires the person to be able to honestly look at themselves because I think we have a tendency to kind of over-exaggerate how wonderful and awesome and amazing we are when really we're just sometimes regular folks. So, you know, what we we might think that we're like the best company in the world to be with and we might put that out there on a profile, but um, maybe we're not all that we write ourselves to be sometimes. Oh, I don't know. I I never really looked at it that way. And of my 121 first dates, I never showed up and thought, well, you're not that exciting. <laughs> <laughs> but, but on the flip, though, Wendy, like, think about maybe the guys that you went on dates with. Did they ever overinflate themselves? I, I don't think so. I mean, they gave themselves a couple more inches in <laughs> than they were. And sometimes they... They shaved off a few years like the women do, too. I, I didn't. I always told the truth about my age. Uh-huh. But um, those were the real stretches that I could see. Um, so no but, no bodybuilders. I work out in the gym every day, and you meet for the date, and they've never been to the gym in, like, six years? Oh, there was that one. <laughs> <laughs> there was that six-foot-two uh, normal body um CEO type who was five foot one, and I'm not sure he had a job. And <laughs> seemed like the CEO type, as he claimed. And I think he was around 300 pounds. Yeah, that was yeah. That, that was that one. One out of 121. Not bad. Not bad. Not a bad ratio. Not a bad ratio. Okay, so now we know we need to, you know, kind of be honest with ourselves and, and describe um, 
like you said, why we like going to the beach or, you know, um, uh, other types of, um, what makes us interesting to date kind of things and, and not put out the whole bucket list of, you know, everybody, you know, we want this, we want this, we want this, we want this, you know, um, so it's not so intimidating to a potential partner to, uh, kind of seek us out and, and initiate that first note. So we have that uh, tip so far and I'm looking at the time. Wendy, we're going to take a, a quick commercial break and we'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Today I'm hanging out with Wendy Newman. She is the author of the book, 121 First Dates, How to Succeed at Online Dating, Fall in Love, and Live Happily Ever After. And uh, before the commercial break, she was telling us about her online experience and giving us some tips on you know, how to do it a little bit more effectively for ourselves and... Um, a part of that was when we we write out what we're looking for, the summaries of what we're looking for in a partner, uh, not to make them so intensive and overwhelming for the potential reader. Now, I'm curious, Wendy, when you get that first uh, nudge or email or note from a person, uh, are, are there some pointers you can give about, you know, how do you read it? Do you respond to it? Do you, you know, not respond to it? Do you kind of negate the person if they don't have everything that you are looking for? Or, you know, how do you go about that process? Well, I'm going to tell you something that a lot of <laughs> dating coaches would never say in a million years. But girlfriend to girlfriend, I'm going to tell you what worked. Mm-hmm. I responded to who wrote me and that was interesting. And I, I followed up just like you would, right, with an email. And... I also reached out because if I were only able to date men who reached out to me, if I if my only suitors were people who came and knocked on my door, it would have been grim. Okay. Out of a hundred percent of my good dates, I reached out to eighty percent, and twenty percent reached out to me. Wow. Now, does that mean that I asked them out? I never asked anybody out. Never. Okay. I would. I would do that thing like in the old 40s noir movies the lady would drop her handkerchief Uh, and he'd come running up behind right oh did you drop Mm -hmm. this miss Uh yeah okay so i would do just a little dropping of the handkerchief online by doing two or three lines just to say tap 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 out of 25 million people out here online i'm here and if you're interested you're interesting and here's what i think's interesting about you and so i would do that and then I would just leave it. I, I would never respond. I'd never write back. I'd never do anything. And if they picked up the ball and ran with it, we were off. And, and then I would let them lead. I'd let mm-hmm. them run the show because I wanted myself a masculine man who would be leading in our life. Um, okay. I, I had the lead role the first time around. It was exhausting. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so this round... I was looking for that. And so, you know, if you want to run the show, then go ahead and reach out and run the show. But if you want someone to be in partnership and to have those masculine tendencies, then then you want to let them lead once you get going. Okay. Um, Yeah, I never asked anybody out. And and I recommend that women and men both meet as soon as possible. The whole point of online is just to get you in front of someone that you don't have access to and you're – 
day-to-day world. It's why I dated online. I didn't have access to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And and by doing that, you're just going to get offline as quickly as possible, and that means meeting at the local coffee shop right down the street from your house or at a wine bar or wherever, the park, wherever you want to meet to have a quick in-person connection. Okay. Now, I was that was going to be my next question, like how soon do you meet? So you say as soon as possible. So, like, what defines as soon as possible? As soon as possible. Literally. <laughs> now, now, if I'm looking at somebody's site, and, and I can tell this man has bad judgment, right? He's, he's, he's a grown man, and he's flexing in front of his bathroom mirror without his shirt on. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not going to go meet that guy for coffee. I'm not going to okay. do it, you know. Okay. But if I read his profile and he seems interesting and there's enough there that for a 15-minute conversation, mm-hmm. then yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have I'm gonna have him know that it's okay to ask me out right away, and then I'm gonna go right away. And it's tricky because men are used to women of all different types, women who do want to meet right away, and other women who hey, don't push me. I'm not, I need to get to know you first, right? We need to write and talk on the phone. So they're kind of tentative to push to meet right away sometimes because they're afraid they'll, they'll scare us away. So I always let them know fairly quickly that if they were interested, I'm, I would meet when they were ready. Okay. And are there any, like, safe zones, recommended places for that first meeting, or is everything pretty much fair game? Or Daytime. Daytime public Daytime. area. Okay. Yep. Okay. Daytime public area and meet as soon as possible. And, you know, are there any things that we have to do for ourselves to prepare for that first meeting or? Just be yourself. Yeah. Show up as yourself and and present. And, you know, I hear a lot about we put our good foot forward. And, of course, we do. We want to put our good foot forward. But I'm just not interested in presenting as something I'm not because, they're gonna find out eventually. So, yeah, better better not waste time here. <laughs> yeah. Do you find it easier to kind of quickly get a take on whether or not this is something worth pursuing um, at the 15 minute coffee daytime coffee date, or does it take a second or third date to kind of figure that out? It's a mix. I mean, sometimes you know right away, like if you get talking and you see that the two of you don't have a matching future at all, then he might be a wonderful person, but I'm not going to see him again if, you know, he has six children and I am don't have any. Yeah. You no, know, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to sign up for that. And I actually had that happen. He was amazing and he thought I was amazing, but I, I don't have any mother skills at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a woman in my mid-40s without children on purpose. You do not oh, okay. want me raising your six kids. <laughs> Not for you, not for yeah. Wendy, right? <laughs> so so that would be a clear, it was really great to meet you and you're wonderful, but that's it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then there are times when you just really click and, yeah, you're going to set up a second date. And then there are times where the person is interesting and you're not all that attracted, but mm-hmm. they're interesting and you're yourself around them. And that... Guy, I always gave another chance because, and I don't really, I'm not a fan of rules, but my friend who's a matchmaker down in LA, she has a million marriages under her belt. She has a rule that she makes her clients, women clients, go out with a man 
three times because it was around that third time where if it's going to happen, they can grow on us. And it, that has happened to me, and it did take three dates with okay. that man. Yeah. So okay. Three. Or three so. dates. Or okay. so. Now, or three or so. Huh? Yeah. Now, I've heard I've heard commonly with the online dating situation, um, I hear a lot of women talk in frustration where they go on a date, a date with this guy, and it's wonderful, the conversation's great, they feel like there's chemistry and all of this stuff, and then they never hear from the guy, like, afterwards. Has has that ever happened to you? Or, or? Yes, a million times. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Why is awful. It is the worst thing ever. It's, it's, I almost want to say it's the equivalent of us saying, oh, yeah, I'll see you again. Give me a call. And then we dodge their call. But it's not the same because we know there was chemistry. <laughs> it really is It's terrible. And you and I can have a very rational conversation about it right now because our heart isn't on the line. So for anyone who's listening, I'm, I'm really sorry if that's happening to you right now. And they're, so this is going to be a callous thing that I'm about to say, is what they're telling you by not calling you is mm-hmm. they're not your person. Okay. And your person calls, how you know your, it's your person? Your person calls back. That's mm-hmm. how you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's kind of, it's harsh to say, but they're doing you a favor now instead okay. of later. And I've actually heard horror stories of, you know, I dated him for eight months, and then he could tell the whole time he wasn't that into me, but he never said it. Oh, my goodness. Horrifying, wow. right? You'd yeah. rather have that on the first date. Yeah. So now that we've had the heartbreak of, you know, no contact after the first wonderful date, um, when we encounter uh, a gentleman and we're not really feeling him, you know, after that first date, how do you do the polite, uh, I don't think this is going to work for me, you know, uh, I wish the best for you. How do you, how do you break it off after that or let him know that you're not interested? Yeah, I beg all people to do this um, and instead of the y'all call me bit uh, <laughs> or I'll call you bit, right? But if they're asking you out and you're, you're not feeling it, you just want to say, oh, thank you so much. I had a really great date with you, and I can see we're not quite a fit. Mm-hmm. We could do this, we're not quite a fit, we're not quite a match, but at a lovely evening, and I wish you good luck out there. Leave them with something to grasp them. Okay. okay. Yeah, and when, and you might notice that if you're out there dating, that it might just blurt out of your mouth, like, yeah, yeah, call me, yeah, because you're pressure, right? The <laughs> you're trying to be on. kind. You're trying to be yeah. nice. I did that once um, towards the end there at date number 100, actually, and I rushed home and I sent him an email. I said, hey, Jeff, thank you so much for the date, and I'm so sorry to say this, but actually I don't think we're quite a fit, and I just wanted you to know. Um, and had a lovely time. And he wrote me right back and really thanked me, uh, a real heartfelt thank you for mm-hmm. being straight about it, you know, so he does wasn't over there having fantasies that weren't going to be. Oh, that is going to be. So you, know, you mentioned the email. Is there anything, like, inappropriate about, like, texting somebody and saying, ah, uh, no, don't call me again, I don't think this is going to work, I wish you the best, or should you do it, you know, a face-to-face or, or something? Well, I I don't... Well, for, uh, if it's a first date, you don't owe the stranger anything. So, okay. like a face-to-face breakup would be strange because you yeah. don't you're, you don't know them. <laughs> so you only spent two 
two hours with them or 20 minutes with them, right? So I believe that if they don't ask and you leave, you don't, as a woman, you don't owe them anything. They, If they gotcha. don't call, you don't owe them anything. You don't need to tell them not to call if they're not calling. So um, if they say, can I call you, and you say yes, and then you change your mind, yeah, a quick little, a quick little text, like I or an email, like I did to that gentleman, with, "Hey, sorry, I said yes, and I can see we're not quite a fit. Yeah. It's fine, but if he's not asking, you don't need to bring it up. You don't need okay. to lead with, "I'm not seeing you again." If he's not asking. Okay, okay. Curious, uh, you know, we, we had the, uh, the quick convo about the guy who said he was six two, but ended up being five one. What is like the worst experience that you had? Oh my. <laughs> Well, the worst experience I ever had was first date number 54, and I didn't know that was his number because this is the pur- purpose of my book. Mm-hmm. It was, I was 43 years old. It was the worst date to that day. I've had worse dates since, but it was the worst, what, tie, tie, tie. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it was the worst date I'd ever had, and my married friends were complaining about how boring their marriages were, so I started writing a blog just for my married girlfriends so they'd kiss their husbands goodnight and love their life. But uh-huh. he said he was 48, I was 43, he was 48, uh, and I showed up and he was about 78. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I ended up getting stuck with mu- much of the tab of the bill, and oh. right, and he didn't really talk much during the date, but at the very end, he wanted me to, he wanted to know if, I was curious to know why he had a kin and why he was limping because he'd been in an accident. And <laughs> and I said, sure. I wasn't sure, but I said, sure. And he tells me that he'd been in a motorcycle accident and his, are you ready for this? His <sighs> drawing area was impacted and his Johnson he said, oh, Johnson, my. was filled with blood and they wanted to operate. But he oh, my to gosh. But the long of the short of it was that he had an erection. And I should go home with him right now because it would never go down. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, pure comedy, pure comedy. Yeah. I think I would be done dating after that. That would be it for me. It's a wrap. <laughs> I'm going to go join, like, a convent. There's <laughs> just no more for me. <laughs> Wendy, hold on one second. I got to take a, commis- a commercial break, but we will be right back right after this. <laughs> Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Today I'm hanging out with uh, Wendy Newman. She is the author of the book, 121 First Dates, How to Succeed at Online Dating, Fall in Love, and Live Happily Ever After. And uh, before the commercial break, Wendy was telling us about one of her worst dates ever. And, uh, you know, I think this is one of the things that scares me about the whole online dating thing is, you know, somebody represents themselves to be something that they're not. But, you know, you ran into the, the man who said he was 48, he's 78. And, you know, then on top of that, he's like uh, only probably seeking online dating for sexual reasons. Um, and, uh, well, I'm assuming, Wendy, you didn't go home with him, did you? Oh, yeah, totally. No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a whole stack of blue pills on the nightstand, right? Okay. Well, I think he took the whole bottle to whip out that line. <laughs> 
Okay. But, you know, that brings me to the point, though. How do you deal with, I mean, because I'm pretty sure there's these lurkers on the online dating thing that, you know, come at you with the first email with sexual innuendos. And and some people are, you know, floating around online dating Um, just for that. How do you um, protect yourselves from those potential problems, dangers, issues? Yeah, I look at it more like an annoyance, like um, before we got our filters for spam in our email box, you know, it's like spam. And really, in my experience, so of my 121 first dates, 108 of them came from online. And it really has been my experience of dating men and knowing men in this way for the last decade that the majority of men are great guys. They are our protectors. They, they will have your back. If something went down, they want to protect strangers around them, including women and children. That's who healthy men are. Okay. And I would assert that most men out there are healthy. Unfortunately, the unhealthy ones get around. Okay. Right? So we have this fear, and we look at online dating and men as predators, but they're actually more than not our protectors. Okay. You will bump into the occasional predator. It's true, okay. but you just want to you just want to see it for what it is. Have your eyes wide open, and be willing to to give them the benefit of de- the doubt until they show you something different. You okay. know, just don't okay. put yourself in a position where you're gonna you know you're not gonna go to his house on the first date. Yes. Right. So you're not gonna be crazy with your safety, but you want to give them the benefit of the doubt, and then just listen to your gut. Your, okay. your gut knows. Okay. Now, talking about safety and listening to your gut, one of the things you say is it's not a good idea to um, stalk your new date. So how do you balance that out? Because I'm pretty sure as a woman, you kind of want to do your checks and balances, your due diligence, and try to you know make sure that the guy you're going out with is not married, a bank robber, or something like that. So how do you kind of gauge whether or not this is a safe person for you to be going out with if and especially with this, because the, the Internet and, and online and people's social media are ways for us to kind of figure out who a person is. Yeah, I mean, if you, I, I'm not a fan of the, I'm probably not a fan of the Google stalking, because if anyone could find out what my full <laughs> name was, they would have known I was writing a book. <laughs> <laughs> this lady is, in fact, one of my dates, he was a complete a sweetie pie Ended up being a friend of mine. He accidentally, well, not accidentally, found <laughs> my blog and read the entire thing before first date. I was horrified. Oh wow! <laughs> so I'm not a fan of the of the stalking, but 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 really, if I'm going to go out with someone on a first date, more than not, I didn't uh, look them up because this is going to be this isn't going to be a marriage proposal. This is going to be a meeting with a total stranger. So I can be okay with knowing that I'm with a total stranger for the evening or for the afternoon and actually just be open to knowing who they are as a person. And then if we're going to go have a second date, yeah, I might start learning more about them, but I'm not really a digger for information. I'm I'm a weirdo. I (laughs) call me naive, but I trust that people say who they are because I do and the people I attracted did and if they lied to me I never caught it okay okay and clearly it worked for you because you know moving on to date 121 Mm. 
mm-hmm. that was that that was the one. So how did you know after 121 dates that he was the one? <laughs> and he told the truth on his profile. <laughs> <laughs> Three years later, every bit of it was true. So, um, I, you know, I, a lot of people ask, do you know, do you know the first time you saw him? And I liked him a lot the first time I saw him, and we actually had a very short date. We had to wedge it in because I was leaving town and we, our time was tight. So we wedged in a quickie drink date. And... um I just really liked him. I liked him from the get-go, and he was really easy. The conversation was really easy. He made me feel very at ease to be myself, which was that was always a sign of a good date, when I could be completely goofy in myself and not worry about you and me. And that happened, and then I went away. I was out of the country for 11 days, finishing up my book, actually. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and when I came back, we went on a second date, and it was kind of over for me on the second date. I fell for him hard. Just Oh, wow. Yeah. Two dates. Time, yeah, two dates for me. I mean, I wasn't, you know, we didn't, like, jump into a committed relationship on date number two. <laughs> <laughs> but by date number two, I thought, this one really has a shot at something real. Oh, and, and And it turned out. And he was in a very different place than I was, so I just let him sort of run the show on the timeline. I'd been single a really long time, and mm-hmm. he hadn't, and he was finishing up a divorce, so I let him run the show on, on setting a pace because, uh, yeah, it, okay. it was bad timing for him. Okay. So how long has it been now since you guys have been together? Three years. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. We had our commitment ceremony 11 months in because we wanted to think outside the box. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> we, so, we didn't do marriage, but we wanted to design something fresh that really served who the two of us were. And, you know, it's, I think it's for each individual. What works for the two people, I mean, is what works for those two people. What works for one couple might not work for another one. So, you know, and and it's I think in your situation it's understandable, you know, coming out of a marriage and then, you know, him kind of recently too. Yeah. We both have, I mean, if you put the two of us together, we got 40 years of marriage under our belt, so we know what that's all about, and and we were really looking to commit to, to something different, something that was just really between the two of us, And but we were very traditional about it. We did that before we moved in together. So does he ever say to you, you know, after reading the book and, and, and hearing all of your struggles, does he say, Wendy, 121 dates, really? 121 dates? He says, yeah, I know I'm that good. You had to turn down 120 men to get to me. I know. I know. (laughs) No, he knows why it took so long. And it took so long because I did something that most of us never do, Mm -hmm. which and you you touched on it at the beginning of the show, which is I wasn't willing to be with someone for potential. He had to show up the man that I I respected, Mm -hmm. that I wasn't going to change him, that I wasn't going to nudge him, that I wasn't going to live with things that didn't work about who he was. Yeah. Things had to line up. Perfectly. Yeah. Perfectly. I mean, not 100% perfectly, but, you know, there are things that we don't think alike on everything. But Mm -hmm. there had to be enough that there was no need to change him. I I I don't try and change him about anything. So do you 
teach women like, um, you know, I understand, you know, you have these lists, but you need to understand that you need to be flexible with your list? Well, it's not a matter of flexibility. If you make that list, it can be it can be 20 pages long. That's fine. But what you want to do with each item on that list is you want to run it through the strainer called Would I Rather Be Alone Than Be With This? Okay. And if you'd rather be alone than be with that or be without that, then it goes. Okay. Do I do I need him to be six foot five? Would I rather be alone? No. Right. Okay. Okay. Rather be alone, or you know, I mean, uh, I think one thing is, uh, my mother used to always say, you know, you got to pick your battles. Is this really, really a deal breaker? Is this really, you know, something to let go the total possibility of? potential unhappiness for this issue here. And if it's yeah. not, you know, go with it and get your happiness. Yeah, exactly. Alrighty. Alrighty. Wendy, we're going to take our last commercial break of the day. When we come back, I want to talk about some of the workshops that you have for people. Stay with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Well, hello, hello. Today I have been hanging out with the author of the book, 121 First Dates, How to Succeed at Online Dating, Fall in Love, and Live Happily Ever After, Miss Wendy Newman. And uh, Wendy, I was on your website there, wendyspeaks.com, and I noticed that you have uh, some workshops that you offer for people, and I want to spend a little bit of time making sure that people know what they're about in case they want to catch one somewhere along the way. Uh, one of the workshops that you offer is called Dating by Design. So what's that one all about? Dating by Design is an eight-week teleclass that any woman can jump on the phone on and be on with me. My next one starts on March 9th, and it just is eight weeks in a row for that same whatever Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever day it starts, right? Eight weeks in a row, and it's 75 minutes per call where I literally give them everything I've got in terms of being ready to date and knowing how to date and knowing dealing with paying for dates. I give them one-liners, really set them up to be in great shape and how to sort, how to figure out who they are and what they're looking for and what they need out there so they can sort efficiently and, and get it done, get what they're looking for out of the dating oh. process. Okay, you said ready to date. What is that when a woman is ready to date? Well, call number one, we just start in the beginning with, <laughs> are you ready to date? Are you going to be in good enough shape to be single and not just jump at the first man who walks in front of you because you're hungry and lonely and and sad? So mm-hmm. I actually help women get the things that they need to be in good shape. And I'm not talking physical exercise, but that could be part of it for you. It's an individual thing. And there are lots of things that we can do for ourselves to have us be in good emotional shape that we can just have our tanks filled before we even step out the front door to go meet meet that date. Meet that date, okay. Mm-hmm. And the um, next workshop you have is called, uh, well, not the next one, but one of them is called A Partnership by Design. What's in partnership, that one? Yeah, Partnership by Design is this really great one-day live in-person course that Dave and I co-teach, we do it twice a year, and now that you got it and you want to start building it, how how are you going to build it? How is it going to be sustainable? How we have a 
a ritual that we do every month that we uh, ask each other a set of 15 questions to make sure that the partnership is in really good shape. So what deals do you need to make before you say I do even or before you commit to each other? What deals do you need to make to make sure that what you're committing to is something that has a real shot? And, and how do you work with each other after that? So your partner... Dave, Dave has never in three years been in trouble with me. I've oh, never wow. Been in trouble with him. No yeah, sleeping on... You know, you're, you're banned to sleeping on the couch tonight. You made me mad. None of that. <laughs> no doghouse. No sleeping on the couch. And it's it's tricky, right? It's, it's definitely yeah. a place that we come from. But we know that neither of us are misbehaving. That we, we all mean well around this house. And okay. that... that we have ways of working together to get to the bottom of the problem without actually getting it on each other. And those are some of the things we teach. Awesome, awesome. So Dave, right? That's your yeah. partner. Dave okay. is 121, so, yeah. <laughs> Dave is 121. So uh, Mr. 121, I'm, I'm assuming he had no idea when he answered the ad or initiated conversation <laughs> that he was going to end up teaching classes with you. I mean, uh <laughs> he didn't. He didn't. But, and the thing is, is I've been teaching for years. So I, it, for in 2002, I left my marriage, and I immediately started working with an organization to learn about men so I didn't screw up the next one. <laughs> and so I've been in gender studies and studying men and inter- interviewing men for the past 14 years of my day job. So, mm-hmm. And I was a workshop leader, still am a workshop leader, teaching women how to understand men better. So it's the quirkiest thing. You know, here I am newly single back in 02, and all of a sudden I'm thrust into this world where I'm a relationship expert as a single person. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I'm still so, doing the bah humbug thing. Wait a minute. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> so I, that was my day job, is my day job, of is really working with women to get the best out of their partnerships with men. So when he met me, he did know that's what I did for a living, that I was a relationship expert and that he he was, he was loved that about me. He was really into it and had been working with men in very small groups but not leading full workshops. But, boy, when we did our first workshop together in Houston, he's a pro. He's, awesome. <laughs> I trained workshop leaders, and I had nothing to teach that guy. He had it down. So it was awesome. pretty, pretty great. Awesome, awesome, cool stuff. I, you know, and they always say there's always some complications when a couple, you know, they live together and they work together, but it, no problems? Uh, we don't work together full time. I would never <laughs> do that. That would, <laughs> I, that would be intense. I don't, I know people do that, right? Wow. <laughs> no, it's like I can't get away from you ever. Like, yeah. Go somewhere. <laughs> I'm really cool with our personal life, but I'm really mad at what you did in that meeting. <laughs> right. No. <laughs> no, for Too us, what, what we do together, like I said, we only do that course twice a year, and it really is kind of a passion hobby for us. So, Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Now, you also have another workshop called uh, The Queen's Code. I kind of like that little title there. What's that? What the, will the participants get from that workshop? Yeah, that's the workshop that I did back in 2002, and that actually is owned by a woman named Allison Armstrong. She's also a relationship expert, and I work for her, and I lead that workshop in cities around the country and in, and in Canada as well. And it really helps women figure out what it is they do need in life so when they are with their partner, they can express it in a way that it, that it gets heard and that their partner, their man, can act on that. 
And I mean partner in work, partner in life, partner wherever. Helps with families, with raising children, being able to speak into how a man is listening is a tricky business. So we, we teach women about what we learned from men. What do you, you know, um, it seems like a lot of the stuff you do is, is teaching women to understand the differences between man and woman and, and maybe in your workshops. You do. What, what do you think that one of the core issues is that we struggle with in this man and woman thing to understand each other? Well, we think they're just like us. We okay. think that we're all equal and that they're just like us and that they listen to us in the same way and that they would have a response the way a woman would. And you know as well as I do that they don't. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> they do things that, boy, a woman would never do that. <laughs> you just kind of look at them like, what were you thinking? <laughs> yeah, and it's actually how the whole process got started. You <laughs> ask the question, what were you thinking, and is there a good reason that you did this thing <laughs> or that you didn't do this thing? So really sorting out and getting to the bottom of why do they do that thing? Mm-hmm. And and it takes two days. And what's so interesting is I loved that workshop when I did it in '02 so much that I started working for the company because it took a woman to tell me who men are because oh, we couldn't okay. hear it. Men men have been telling us for years we can't hear it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We can't hear it. Not at all. Not at all. And you know it just it's amazing how easier things are once you get that understanding and you know how less. Uh, Often you bump heads with a man, not only your relationships, but your coworkers, your friends, your family members. When you kind of let go of that concept of I, I need him to process information the same way I do, you know, so yeah. it's just a beautiful thing. I need thing. him to multitask the way I do. Good luck with that. You know, yeah, I know. It just, it's like I said, you know, when, when that maturity and that seasoning comes in you, to you and you, you understand, you know, how he relates information is so different than yours. Life is just such a beautiful thing and it's just so much more easier, you know, um, and like I, I was saying earlier, with any of your relationships with men, it just makes it so much easier when you understand that. Now your last, uh, when I, go ahead, dear. And you don't get your feelings hurt so much, you know? Yeah. Cause that's, that's the next thing. They don't do that thing and then we're taking it personally because he doesn't love me enough. Or care about me enough, or respect me enough to do the thing. No, and it's it's not that. Half most of the time, it's it's not that. Their their thought process is just so much different. Yeah, absolutely. So much different. Now, one of your other workshops, I said last, but it's not. You've got a couple of them. I'm not going to be able to get in, but um, this one I want to make sure I I do talk about. Understanding men, power, and partnership sounds like a (laughs) must-have. That's a one-day intensive that I do with women. Right now, I'm just doing it in San Francisco, but I'll go anywhere that where someone can fill a room, where I work with women for six hours on understanding the basics of the differences between men and women and where they're working in modes. Because there's the gender difference, but then there's also the mode difference. There's a very big difference when I'm in my work mode okay. than when I am off on a Saturday and I have all this spaciousness and generosity and so I work with women to bring consciousness to the differences between men and women and how to work with the design of men in all contexts, but also what will happen when we shift in different modes, what responses we'll get. Because men and women, we're responding to each other. So when we're one particular way, they're going to, with one particular way, they might be generous with us. 
another particular way they might be closed with us, and we won't know why. So mm-hmm. just showing them the working parts of you're getting X. Now let's back out of this, and I'll show you why. Okay. And once you can see it, you can make a choice. You know, it's, it's all about power and choosing uh, how to be and how to relate to people so you get what you need. Okay. Now, these, um, I know the, the the workshop you do with Dave is probably for men and women, but do men come and attend your workshops frequently, or is it just basically for women? Everything I do is for women only, except for the partnership by design that we co-lead together. Okay. That Dave and I co-lead together. And I think I was on the website. There's a, another uh, couple or uh, another gentleman and uh, woman that you partnership with and do workshops with. Did I read that correctly? No, they're my coaches. They're my one-on-one coaches. So I do coaching, and then I've got two coaches on board that are available to also do coaching. I I am all about solving the problem. I'd be okay. a, a great advice columnist. <laughs> we'll dig in there and I'll say, well, did you try and did you think about it? And what about this? And maybe you didn't mean this, but wait, you said this, but what I just heard you say is that. So I'm a great put out the fire problem solver gotcha. to what's happening in your life. I'm not the person one would go to to do like an in-depth one-on-one sort of hour once or twice a week to really look at what you're doing and what you're not doing in dating. I'm not that person. Okay. Vince is that person. <laughs> okay. I got a man who does that really well. He'll he'll just dig in with you and go all the way. He'll, he'll whisper in your ear on a date. You could put him on the phone and put the little phone butt in your ear and he could coach <laughs> you through what you're doing. He's Too into cute. that. I'm not into that. So <laughs> I got my specialty people to do what I don't do very well. Okay. Cool stuff. Now, uh, real quick before we get out of here, you are currently on book tour. Um, what city's coming up that pe- can people catch you at? Yeah, tour, the whole schedule is on wendyspeaks.com. And next I'm going to D.C. I'm going to be in D.C. and Philadelphia and New York and Boston um, starting next Wednesday until uh, the 18th. And then I'm going to do the Pacific Northwest after that in early March. I'm going to be in the Southwest in... April, I'll be in Salt Lake and Denver and Edmonton and Vancouver. I'm everywhere. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So we've got the, the book, 121 First Dates. So we're going to have the book like um, 121 Days of Partnership or something? <laughs> Partnership by Design. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah. All right, Wendy. Well, we are at the end of the hour here. I've had a good time hanging out with you today. My guest has been Wendy Newman. Please visit her website, wendyspeaks.com, and pick up the book. Wendy, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. You bet. Thank you so much, Lana. That's all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember, when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I'm your host, Lana Reed, and I'll see you all next week. 